getting all the instruments turned on here. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Do you guys uh, do you guys feel victorious? I, that didn't sound very victorious. Let's try that again. Do you feel victorious? That's a little better. Well, let's sing about that victory this morning. We're going to sing victory in Jesus. Rise to your feet and let's sing this morning. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Sing it out. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him. And all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood I heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and cause the blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love. Beneath the cleansing blood, I heard about a mansion he was built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there a song of victory. Come on. Oh, victory is Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him and all my love. Launched me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. 
glad to have that victory in Jesus this morning. Say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you do not have victory in Jesus, I pray before you leave, you will. Amen. amen. Don't come in here this morning. I don't, it doesn't matter if you're a, a visitor or, or you're here for the last hundred years, whatever it may be. I don't want you leaving saying, well, if I walk that aisle or if I make that commitment, people are going to think that I've been playing. To... Don't let Satan rationalize why you shouldn't make that commitment. Because, guys, that victory in Jesus is greater than anything that this world has to offer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning. Father God, I do come before you and thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your house. God, it's been a great Sunday school already this morning and the breakfast and the fellowship. And God, I'm looking forward to the, to the new study starting tonight and the, the, what you're going to do in the worship service here this morning. I, I just thank you that I can gather with my brothers and sisters in your name as one family through your blood proclaiming your gospel. So Lord, pour out your anointing upon us. Be with this worship team behind me, Lord, as they lead us today. God, they, they give of their time and their effort to practice, to, to not get any notoriety, but to just lead us into your throne room. And I just pray that you bless them for that. Bless us with the ability of going into your throne room. And God, may we be able to leave this church today understanding and knowing that our relationship is with the one true God, the one who loves us the most, the one who cares for us, and the one who chose to die for us. God, may thy will be done this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, but just tell them it's good to see them in God's house today. In Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live and move and have our being. Make a joyful noise, sing it to the Lord, tell Him of your love, dance before Him. Make a joyful noise, sing it to the Lord, tell Him of your love, hallelujah. In Him we live and move and have our being in Him we live. Make joyful noise, sing it to the Lord, tell him your love, dance before him. Make joyful noise, sing it to the Lord, tell him your love, hallelujah.
All right, as we gather back to our seats this morning, we got quite a few announcements we want to touch base on. A couple of which Sherry's going to do, but let me just get us started this morning as, as, as uh, I'm trying not to say Momo, Morgan, as Mo, Morgan's going to be queuing that up in, mo, in a moment. But, in, but while she is doing that, the new newsletters are out. The thing, reason why I'm announcing that this morning, guys, is if you are, would like to get on the email list for this, if you would like to, we're printing off some. However, if you would like to be on the email list, that way it saves the paper and the time and things of that nature, please get with Wendy after the service and she'll put you on the email list. If you would prefer to have the hard copy, let, let her know that she, so she can put you on that list as well. We're only printing off hard copies enough to put a few out for visitors and such and those of you guys who don't like to use the computer. So if you want to be on the email list, get with her about that. If you want to be on the hard copy list, please get with her on that. Other than that, there will be a few set out each month when we put it out. But in the meantime, it would be easier to just to get on one of those lists. Also, you see, can you scroll that up some, honey? The, on, on the board up there, you see the Upendo Orphan Care. And there's some pictures and things of that nature. You can go and look at that. I'll give you the website but the reason why that is up there next Sunday evening, tonight we are starting our, uh, we're going to be starting a new study on the book of Ezekiel starting tonight. If you'd like to come to our Bible study, it's an expositional teaching. We're going to be starting Ezekiel tonight, that's six o'clock tonight as we start this new study. But next Sunday evening, the missionary from Uganda who is a part of this uh, orphanage He's going to be here speaking and sharing with us next Sunday night. So I want to encourage all you folks, if you can come next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, I know a lot of you have things you do on Sunday evenings. That's why you don't commit to, to coming to the Bible study. But this will be a special thing. Just come and listen to what they're, what's going on. He's speaking in some other churches uh, here in the area in the, today, to, this morning, this evening, next morning, next Sunday morning. But if you want to be encouraged about how God's working in another country as well, Come and be a part of that. So that's next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And if you want that email address or something like that, please get with me and I'll make sure to get that to you. And I, and I forgot the man's name or I would put that to you. Sorry. Sam. Sam? Okay. Brother Sam. All right. And uh, there's a couple more announcements here. And I'm going to let Sherry take over with these two. Morgan, play the clip I was told. I want to be a good enough father. Let's go, let's go! Shoot it! The town's oldest manufacturing plant is closing its doors. Most of my players have parents that work at the plant. This ain't going to be pretty. I'm down three coaches, but I do think I have a solution for cross country. No, I don't even like running. Don't die, don't die. Cross country's not even a real sport. Uh, why would anyone want to do this? I'm just impressed that you finished. You are my best option. Y'all here for tryouts? No, sir. We're just hanging out. Hey, are you here for cross country? Yes, sir. 
I had one girl show up and she's got asthma. Oh, you mean Hannah Scott. Do you enjoy running? It's really the only thing I'm good at. Why have a season with one runner? One runner matters. The only thing Thomas, you got time for a visit? Hello, coach. So you changed sports and you still got no team. Well, that's sad even for me. I get it. You have to coach cross country, but it's not the end of the world. For someone who knows the Lord, you act like somebody who doesn't. You give some very inspirational speeches to your players about stepping up under pressure and going the extra mile. Anna, you're getting faster. Your life is worth so much more than this. To who? When you find your identity in the one who created you, it'll change your whole perspective. Something or someone will have first place in your heart. Where's your team? She's right there. What have you allowed to define you? trailer or heard of it on K-Love. Uh, Frank and I were blessed to be able to see uh, the whole movie in July, I think, in Alabama. It was a great movie. It's a Christian movie. It's going to be at King Ranger this week. Uh, King Ranger has um, agreed to let us see it the day before it comes out as a church. So we have 154 seats. Where's Wendy? Uh, I think we have sold 50 seats so far. So we have one we have 100, about 100 seats left. The tickets are $6 a piece. The catch is it is Thursday night at 9 o'clock. So, so from here, because they're, doing, they're opening the movie theater special just for us to go in and see the movie, uh, the tickets are $6 a piece. You pay Wendy for that, and then on Thursday night, you can either meet us in Seguin at King Ranger Theater, or we're going to caravan from here after Thursday night church. Miss Pam and all of the rest of us will be in the kitchen uh, serving uh, supper as normal. We'll leave from here about 8, 8 o'clock or 8.15. So we really want you all to join us. The reason we need to do these kinds of things, renting out a whole theater sounds like a that, that's a big step for us. It is. But we need to get behind and back these Christian films that are coming out and, and show the producers and the world that we, you know, we want to see some family value films, right? Amen. All right. Thanks. So that's for that, for the movie. Thursday night, 9 o'clock, King Ranger. See Wendy for tickets. Um, and we got a busy season coming up. Do you know it's almost time for Fall Fest? If you haven't been here for our Fall Fest uh, before... We've been doing, Frank and I have done Fall Fest about, I think, 17 years now, maybe 18. Um, Fall Fest is one of our largest outreaches for the year. Uh, We have a very big turnout. This will be our first year to do Fall Festival in a new set, a new facility. And as such, one of the biggest things we like to promote at Fall Festival is we want the kids in the world to know that it's okay to have fun. We want their parents to know that, too. It's okay to have fun, and it's okay to have fun even on Halloween. You know that? So we have created the Fall Festival, and it's just a Christian alternative. We invite the whole community, and before we moved into this facility and grew to this number, we were probably seeing about three or four hundred people. 
I'm expecting maybe half again that much this year. So last year, we didn't have as much candy as we do normally, so we're, we want to start and hit that heavy. There's some baskets right where Ed and Daryl are sitting right there. There's some flower baskets. We need to get those filled up probably about 20 times each to have enough candy to reach this community and to, be, to continue to be the outreach that we are. So I figured in the spirit of VBS, we're going to have a little contest of the boys against the girls. That's how we do it in VBS. So we've got a bucket back there for boys. What? Well, you just have to show him who has the most candy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. And the prize is only the satisfaction of knowing you won. So how important is that? Yeah. So anyways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so be, sure, be sure and bring your candy for Fall Festival when you're shopping at Sam's or Costco or HEB or Walmart, wherever you do your shopping. Pick up a few bags of candy, whatever you can, if God lays that on your heart to help out. And uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I understand, too, with the Overcomer movie, not only are we supporting a Christian organization and the, the, the fact that there's Christian movies out there, the movie is a good movie in and of itself anyway. But to be able to go, and this makes a statement to the community there also, not just Sutherland Springs. This owner of the theater is going out on a limb, allowing us to come in after hours on Thursday to watch this movie. If he sees that we actually are coming to do that, how much easier will it be for him to do that next time, to do that more often, maybe not just for us, but if another church group says and asks, well, you know, it worked last time, you know, people came, and he's allowing us to do this for just $6 a seat. I think it's imperative that we help support that for not only the, the movie's sake, but for the commu- distant communities to see that it is important to us. Amen? Okay. I think that's enough announcements this morning, and while, while Morgan is keying up the, the next video for Ian, I'm going to ask Ian to come on up this morning. Ooh, yeah. I love Ian and everything, but Abigail came and gave me a huge hug this morning. The baby's got it. She's got me right there. <laughs> Father God, I do lift Ian up to you, and as he shares what you've laid on his heart to share with us this morning, I just pray that we just hear you through this scripture reading that he's going to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. All right, well, I think for many people, it's going to be back to school week. For those of us who are still in school at various levels, hopefully we're all still in the school of life. So thank you, Lord, for that. But we're going to start with a, a quick icebreaker. So here goes. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. From a while back, if you're wondering, what on earth does that have to do with anything? Um, in this case, it was saying, hey, make sure that your perspective is right or where your source is right, because otherwise, through a creative power of deduction, you, something bad might happen. So, but, um, so thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Um, well, we are so blessed to have 
the word delivered to us from just a, a wide variety of sources. Our dear pastor here, Brother David, um, you know, the resources, the church has got their own bulletin. Um, a bull, um, sorry, a resource that I've come to really enjoy and, and be able to pick up is, is the Southern Baptist Texan, and you can find that um, copies of that out in, in the foyer. But I just want to do essentially a quick review of an article that was written, and it really spe- meant a lot to me because it was um, about a kind of a concept that I was first exposed to a couple years ago that I kind of um, you know chewed on a little bit and wondering, Lord, you know, kind of what's your perspective in taking all this? And that has to do with critical race theory and what was the other one? Um, Sorry, there we go. Um, drew a blank there. Oh, and, and intersectionality. And how this has to do with anything is obviously, you know, we are um, in the world, but, but we're not of it. And as we go out and we're exposed to ideas that may or may not be, or at least not fully, you know, in line with the will of the Lord and, and the Lord's perspective in our lives, we have to know to how to rightly divide, well, what is it that we do with it? You know, do we just say, hey, we're just going to totally reject that and possibly come across as being closed-minded, narrow-minded, obtuse, or, or what have you? Or do we um, actually take the time, if it's appropriate, to delve into a little bit, understand where it's coming from, where it does speak truth and where it doesn't speak truth, and how can it be an opportunity to share um, God's truth, who is the source of all truth, you know, into a person's heart who might have brought up the, the topic or whatnot. But this is a heated de- debate, and it was actually um, debated with a resolution presented at um, one, one of the recent conventions. So I just want to start it here real quickly. It says, ongoing discussion of a Southern Baptist Convention resolution on critical race theory and intersectionality reflects a healthy desire among Southern Baptists to discern the line between engaging culture with the gospel and compromising with the culture. And that came from Criswell College professor Barry Creamer. Um, I'll let you research it on your own if you want to, but it did give a blurb of those not... um, not familiar with what those concepts are. There was actually a quote here from a UCLA blog, which you can look at on your own time. But um, there was a pastor who was pretty incensed about this, who presented um, a resolution, and he stated he wanted critical race theory and intersectionality is antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and since they divide people of Christ by defining fundamental identity as something other than our identity in Christ. Valid point. So discussion happened, and a resolution, not the one he presented, but one was passed, and um, the presenters who introduced it said, well, we distinguish between a more narrow view of analysis and a more expansive worldview so that we can condemn absolutizing CRT um, slash I as a worldview and yet not condemn all possible insights that may be gleaned. And it went on to say, it says... um, It says, everyone on the committee would agree that the origins of this concept, it says, came from worldviews opposed, uh, sorry, that that this CRT slash I come from worldviews opposed to the gospel. Still, that does not mean that every observation issuing from CRT slash I is wrong, sinful, or unhelpful to how Christians understand the world. And their disagreements center on the secondary matter of how to communicate the gospel and the American culture without capitulating to it. You know, I find it really interesting that our dear pastor has a degree in anthropology, which many people who have those degree hold a worldview that is antithetical to the creation theory, and yet that is something he delved in deeply, and that made him, uh, you know, a more complete and better person. It's something that the Lord laid on his heart, and, and it advised, you know, what he has to present to the gospel and has definitely provided opportunities 
opportunities to share the gospel with others. And, you know, I'm reminded of the um, Apostle Paul's address to the Oropagus in, in Athens. And I was doing a little research on that, come to find out that there's actually a bronze plaque still there in Athens, Greece, in Greek, that has his address. It's, in fact, the most complete sermon that we have on record, kind of his almost, you know, we have the Sermon on Mount from Jesus, you know, three chapters long in Matthew and referenced in, in all four of the Gospels. Um, but, but that's actually the longest and most complete transcript that we have of a, of a sermon that he presented. Now, you know, he didn't just all of a sudden walk into Athens and end up there. He was walking around the city. He was um, both talking to the Jewish believers there who weren't sure that they liked what he was saying. He was talking to some of, you know, some, some people one-on-one one one who were of other persuasions and finally got invited to that. And um, I just want to read briefly here. You know, to just realize, folks, there is absolutely nothing new under the sun. Stuff we think is, oh, my God, times are changing. Well, guess what? They've always been changing. And guess what? We've always kind of had the same format of issues and challenges that we have today. It's been going on. And we are called to live here in this time and to be part of of that history. And we have some reference points of how we can deal with some of this stuff. But um, in Acts 17, starting in verse 21, it says, Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. I mean, it sounds like today's time, right? You know, it's like, what's, what's the latest and greatest? Because if it's latest and greatest, then that means it can just automatically supplant any, you know, thing that was from, from gone here. We can be gone, done with that and go into something new. So it says, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, so that was also known as Ayers Rock, um, which is still there in Athens, said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objectives of your worship, I found also an altar with, the, with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And so my point today is that all of us are God's children. We are absolutely made in the image of God. Even people who are so far away from him who think God doesn't exist, well, guess what? They are still made in his image. They have a part of godliness in them, and God doesn't have any grandchildren. He wants every person to have that revelation of grace, and he wants to use us to meet people where they are to, um, as appropriate, be able to listen to them, understand where they are, meet them there, and whether you are sowing, whether you are watering, or whether you have the satisfaction of reaping the harvest that God would have in their lives, you know, that is a huge privilege. So on that note, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. I pray over all the kids, young and old, and adults who are going back to school. Thank you that we are called to be not of the, that we are called to be in this world, your kids, but not of the world. Just open up doors to be a witness for you. Lord, help us to rightly divide the word of truth, Lord. Lord, help us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds, and that we can, with open minds and hearts, to rightly divide the word of truth, both your truth as it is presented in the word, um, the, the, the ultimate truth, but also in our fields of study, Lord. Help us to be diligent students so that we can more fully understand how we and others relate to the world, how we can relate to each other better, and ultimately that we can be your servants and enjoy you and enjoy each other more. In Jesus' precious name, amen. With an exclamation point.
sometimes you just, I don't know, I, I'm trying to find the words to explain my thought process here in the moment, but, but when I see Brother Ian up here just spouting out truth like that, like I just, I feel empowered. I'm living vicariously through the truth that Ian has found just then, and I was, I'm like, ooh, that's good stuff. Uh, anyway, let's rise and sing. Let's continue in song. We're going to sing uh, In Christ Alone and a few others, but uh, the words will be up on the screen. Uh, just be comfortable in your worship, uh, whatever that means for you, and let's just, uh, let's just sing to God here. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of Fears are still when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness lay. Forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse is lost, it's written on To find your breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand until he returns or calls me home. Here in the power. Christ I'll stand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand here in the power of Christ I'll Turn at the end your hands, and you spoke the earth in 
completely to you this day in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys. Hallelujah. Yeah. Give God the glory. Amen. And as I said before, if you have not completely turned your heart over to him, the first question is why not? And if you haven't, not only is it why not, but let's do that. Amen. Let's get that done. Let's, let's turn it over to him and just watch what he'll do in your life. You think the world can bring you riches? You, you, could, you could own the entire city of Lavernia and still have an empty heart and can't sleep at night. Amen. The only thing that fills the heart of a man with peace and joy and the, and the blessings of the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? So I pray that you get your heart right with him today if you have it. And if you know him and have been running, man, maybe today's the day to plant them feet. Turn around and say, Father, here I am. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Turn to Ezekiel this morning. Ezekiel chapter 2. I have been having some very serious conversations about a decision I have to make. A decision that's been needing to be made. And this, this week after talking with one of my Pastors, I've been, I've been surrounding myself with very godly men, godly pastors I've been sitting and praying through and talking to and talking about. And I had another meeting this week. I was sitting with a pastor friend of mine, and we prayed and we talked and we talked. And our, our little lunch meeting turned into a three-hour meeting. But when I came back to my office, I, I went upstairs, I went in my office, and I opened my Bible to get ready for my Sunday evening class for tonight. And chapter 2 of the book of Ezekiel jumped off the page at me to, the, to exactly what I not only needed to hear, but it was almost like the continuation of the discussion I just had in, at, at Jack's Cafe there in Floresville. It seemed like not only did God continue the conversation, but then put an exclamation point at the end of it. And at first I was like, well, Lord, that's really creepy. But then it was like, thank you, Jesus. Because I had even said, Lord, I need a burning bush. I need that bush that does not get consumed. And, and as I was saying those things, not believing it, that almost was that to me, the way it jumped off the page at me. And I want to share this with you because the message he spoke to me, I think it's for all of us as well. So in Ezekiel chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he said to me, son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I listened to the one who was speaking to me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites and to the rebellious nations who have rebelled against me. 
The Israelites and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this day. The children are obstinate and hard-hearted. I am sending you to them, and you must say to them, this is what the Lord God says. Whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been amongst them. But you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Through briars and thorns are beside you, and you live amongst scorpions. Don't be afraid of their words or be discouraged by the look on their faces. For they are a rebellious house, but speak my words to them, whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are rebellious. And you, son of man, listen to what I tell you. You do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. So I looked and saw a hand reaching out to me, and there was a written scroll in it. When he unrolled it before me, it was written on the front and back, words of lamentation, mourning, and woe were written on this. Now, as I read this now to you guys, I can see after how I intro this, I'm calling you a rebellious lot of people. That, that had nothing to do with the conversation I had earlier in the week. It was a different group of people who are a rebellious lot of people and scorpions. But that's what God spoke to me in my office. And as he, as he put it together to me, I wanted to make sure that we, all of us, each and every one of us understand Satan does a great job at telling us just how completely inadequate we are. Satan will have a second guessing everything if we allow him to do so. He will make sure to put things around us and within us. He will put people around us. He'll have people whispering in our ear. I believe that spiritual battle that those spirits are whispering around our ear all the time. And he's whispering that, how dare you think that you could accomplish this? How dare you think that you can do that? Do you know who you are, what you are? What makes you think you're good enough for God to use in this fashion or that fashion? And he's real good at pointing out our inadequacies. And then the bad thing about that is we oftentimes believe him. We allow ourselves to fall into that trap. Or as myself, I tend to rationalize. I tend to think. I have a pastor friend who said, Frank, you're too academic and analytical. If you just shut, shut your mind up and listen to what God has to say, you might learn something. And he was right. Because when I really finally just said, Lord, I can't, I've, I've, I've analyzed, I've looked, and I've thought. And I keep coming back to the inadequacies and the reasons why not to do this or not to do that. When in reality, God, what do you say? You see, here's the truth, guys. God equips those who he calls to service. Regardless of who we are, we have all been commissioned into his army. He said, go ye therefore. In Acts 1-8, when he said that the power would come upon us to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, he said that not just to the preachers, not just to the deacons, not just to this group or that group. Whomever that the Holy Spirit comes upon has that power. Once we have that power, he is going to equip us to carry out whatever the task that he sets before us. Whether it be me as a pastor or you at your workplace, maybe the school like ian was mentioning earlier wherever it is that god sends us rather than falling to the inadequacies that satan whispers in our ear why not trust into the power that god has amen, amen. i came across a story there were some miners and and some settlers actually also in british columbia and they were stripping down fort alcan they were taking it apart they were stripping down all its lumber it's it's a, a electrical appliances the plumbing everything was there they were tearing it all down and they made an amazing discovery when they got to the jail they found that there were some incredibly mighty locks that were that were attached to these heavy doors these these locks were massive 
The doors were massive. Everything there was just huge. And there was two-inch steel bars that covered the windows. It was, it was an impressive and incredible jail cell there at Fort Alcan. But the walls of the prison were only a wallboard made of clay and paper painted to look like iron. All the walls looked like iron, but a good push by a, big, a fair-sized man could have toppled the entire building. Why? Why would they do that? Nobody ever tried to get out of there because when they heard that door slam, they saw the bars, they were tricked into thinking it's just not possible to break out of this. And though they didn't have the money possibly or whatever the reasoning was to build those walls for real iron, they were able to trick these people into thinking, I'm in an iron cell and I'm just going to sit here. There was nothing to that cell. And I share that story this morning because there's so many Christians today, so many people that God has called to do great and mighty things that are, 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 are held back. They're prisoners of their fear, if you will, because they, are, they, they don't believe that they can break out. There's really nothing out there to push against. Satan has put up this paper mache walls, but we're, we're afraid to push that hard. We're thinking, that look at all these reasons why I cannot do this. God equips those whom he calls. If he tells you or I to step beyond something that we're normally accustomed to, if he says to reach outside that box that you're normally in, be, be assured this morning that regardless of what Satan puts there to make you think you cannot, my God can Satan cannot do anything against the Son of God. But he sure loves to put up those barriers. He can't stop us from doing what God has called us to do. But he sure is good and loves putting up those ideas why we can't do it. And we walk around, rather than being a people empowered by the Spirit of God, accomplishing great and mighty things, we'll go and we'll do small things and think how good they are when God is saying, I have put power within you to do great things. I have put more within you. You're going to be able to win your whole company over to Christ. I can't do that. I'm just one little maintenance technician over here in the corner or I'm one little school teacher over here. When God has given you a plan and he has ordained that plan and you feel as though God is speaking it to you, then we need to remember and realize just like Moses was at the rock when he said, I cannot speak well, God said, I'll give you Aaron, but you're the man. When God calls us to step beyond what we're accustomed to, he is going to equip us. He is going to make it so that paper mache boundary that Satan's put around us, we can shove it and, and push it over. Just because Satan says we can't does not mean it's so. When God calls us, to do difficult things, then just like he spoke to Ezekiel right there, he tells us, face it with courage. Be courageous. Step out there and face what's going on. We cannot be afraid of what God has already overcome. Amen? You see, if God has called us to do something, he's already planned it out. He's already foreordained, foreordained everything that's going to transpire here. He knows where the victory is. Now, you may not immediately see that victory, but as long as you're doing what God has called you to do, you're a part of a bigger picture that you don't see. And God said, trust me in this. Just like the Lord said to Joshua, Annabelle's favorite verse, actually. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord thy God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and be courageous. Do not be terrified. 
Because the Lord thy God will be with you anywhere you go. When God calls us to step beyond what we're comforted to, when he tells us to go beyond what the world says that you can do, when, we, when God says, this is what I've called you to do, and people will say, that can't be of you. You're, you don't have the education. You don't have the proper credentials. You don't have this. You don't have that. The world can say all that, and none of it equates to anything when you look to the other side of the equation, and it just says God. God plus anything still equals God. God and and Satan will put all these minus things at the bottom. You know what it equals? God. As long as Christ before you, who can be against you? To Isaiah, when God was speaking, he said, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up by my righteous right hand, God told Isaiah. What God was speaking to Ezekiel, what God was speaking to Isaiah, what God is speaking to you and I today is that no matter what it is that God has called us to do, that if he has called us to do it, he will bring it to pass. I think the whole reason why God appeared to Ezekiel the way he did in the first chapter, and if you don't know the story, go back and read it. We're going to start studying that this evening, actually. But the whole reason why he presented himself to Ezekiel in the way he did, so that when he got to this point in his conversation, there's no denying what God can do. There's no denying that we serve a mighty God. Folks, when you look back to the testimony in your life, when you look back to what God has done in your life, when you can look back, and I bet every one of us can stop and really start assessing, even before we surrendered our heart to him, like Ian said, we are all his children. And he's been working in our lives even before we actually accepted that fact. When we look back, I think we can see some miraculous things that God has done in our life. When we look at who we are and that God still loves us, and when we surrender our heart to him, he still wraps his arms around him and says, get, the, get my coat and get, kill a fatted cow, put a ring upon his finger. He is saying, this is my child. When we look at what God has done for us, when we look that he defeated death, hell, and the grave and arose again and, and walked for those 40 days before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, when we look to God, there is nothing that can oppose him amen Amen. nothing can come against him that's why ezekiel when he heard this he's like i get it ezekiel needed to remember just how big god is he needed to remember that that god who could call him out could also be the same god who would protect him the same god who would provide his needs the same god who's when he calls us out will provide whatever it is that we need the world may say oh it's not possible with my god all things are possible with jesus christ all things are possible ezekiel he, he he's going into this exile camp with a very unpopular message he's going in with something that they don't want to hear Now, I don't know if you've ever had to be the bearer of bad news to someone. That message is unpopular, especially if it may hurt the people whom you have to go and share the message with. But folks, let me assure you that even though it hurts and there there is no fun about giving bad news, if God's called you to do it, he's standing right there beside you. You might become unpopular in a hurry. As a pastor, you may see people cross the street to avoid talking to you. It's happened. I've seen that. Oh, here comes that preacher. And they think I don't see, especially in Walmart. It's kind of humorous to me because I'll, I'll step over here real quick, you know, and, hey, what's going on? <laughs> a little honoriness too, maybe, but still, it's kind of funny. But when you're carrying a message that people don't want to hear, 
They'll, they'll, they'll do things. They'll, maybe they, they may even stop associating with you. Oh, there's that Jesus freak again. You can be, there comes a point sometimes in a Christian life, you can feel alone. And, and, and you're wondering, Lord, what's going on? Folks, God is saying, when, it, when you are in that position right there, when you, are, when you are preaching a message that goes against some people's lifestyle choices, when you have been called out to share what God has called you to share, some people may get angry. Some people may become incredibly rebellious. Ezekiel, he had an incredibly unpopular message of going in and preaching repentance and judgment to the people. They didn't want to hear that. They were living their life there. They were, they, they were living it the way they wanted to live it. They were living it the way they thought it should be gone. And when Ezekiel came in and says, guys, you need to repent. No, the church, we've already been exiled. We've been pulled out of Jerusalem. Why should we change now? It's oh, poor me and oh, poor this. And Ezekiel said, repent, repent and come back unto the Lord. But the people could not have been any less receptive to his words. Folks, it's like Ian said again just a moment ago. It hasn't changed today. We may be living 3,500 years later, but it hasn't changed even today. The people oftentimes of the world are not receptive to the gospel of Christ. That doesn't mean that you sit on your hands and don't share it. It doesn't mean that you just let the pastor do it because he's got that loud mouth up there. You, whatever and however God has called you to share the gospel, regardless of the people that he has surrounded or that you're surrounded with, you have been given the power, you've been given the capability to do it just like he told Ezekiel. He says, be courageous, go into that den of vipers, go into those people, go into where it seems like there's scorpions all around you, and you preach what I tell you to preach. Hallelujah. That's every one of us, guys. That's not just the deacons. That's not just the yeoman. That's not just the pastor. That's every one of us. God equipped Ezekiel. Look in verse 6 again. In verse 6 he says, But you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Through briars and thorns are beside you and you live among scorpions. Don't be afraid of their words or be discouraged by the look on their faces, for they are a rebellious house. But speak my words to them. Whether they listen or refuse to listen doesn't matter, for they are rebellious. He is telling them, you speak. And if you jump over in chapter 3. There was something else God brought to me. Eight, verse eight. Look, I have made your faces, their faces, excuse me. Look, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. I have made your forehead like a diamond, harder than flint. Don't be afraid of them or discouraged by the look on their faces, even though they are a rebellious house. Folks, God has given you the power. You know, you might say I was already hard-headed. God just told me I'm diamond-headed. We as Christians need to go forth and be hard-headed about what it is God's called us to do. We need to go forth and proclaim the gospel, make a stand. Now, that doesn't mean going and beating them over the head with a five-pound Bible. Or some of y'all might have a 25-pound Bible. But what it means is that through my actions, through my words, through my deeds, through the things that I choose to do, I should be representing Christ. And if they're all rebellious and hollering and being ugly about it, I have been equipped by my Father to say that I'm going to do so anyway, courageously, forthrightly, and I'm going to do it with a diamond head. They might be like flint. They might be like there's no way through them. Diamond breaks flint is what that Bible's telling me. And he's telling us, I have given you this capability. He gives Ezekiel, he gives Isaiah, he gives the apostles, he gives us the power and the capability to go forth. And he says to face these people with courage, not because of who you are, but because of who I am. He gave Ezekiel the courage to say, thus saith the Lord. 
Now, the Lord uses two verbs to describe the people. One which was rebelled, which means to refuse uh, allegiance to or, or rise up against sovereignty. The other was revolt, which meant to, to turn away from your covenant duties, to, to, to breach your covenant relationships. That's what he's saying about these people. He's telling Ezekiel, these people that you're going amongst, these people I'm sending you out into, there, there is open rebellion against God. I think we could look at that in America today. I think we could look at that in the world today, but especially in America. I think if we looked at America today, even on Sunday mornings, we would see an open rebellion against God. But yet, what does he tell Ezekiel do? Go share the message. Even though there's open rebellion, just like Ian was pointing out, there are people who are living in open rebellion. But God told Ezekiel, God tells the people like Ian was pointing out in that, in that letter, we'll go, and no, I didn't know what Ian was going to share this morning, but man, it works right in so well. It, we are to go to those people who are in open rebellion and under, let them know that even in open rebellion, God loves them enough to warn them, to speak to their sins, to tell them to repent and turn back to the Lord and his arms will be open unto them. Regardless of what the rebellion may be, regardless of how hard and bad they may seem, God says, go in and do this. You know, we... we I think, I think I can share this. As you know that I, Matt and I and others, we ride in the Black Sheep as a Christian motorcycle group. Yesterday we went to a meeting, it's called the CSC, and, and this is where all these different motorcycle clubs from all over San Antonio meet. So let's just say there were other Christian groups there, but there were other very antithetical to Christian views in that place as well. But we chose to go. And I shared this with Sherry at the, at the time. She wasn't there. I texted her and I said, here we are in this meeting with some really tough people. Motorcycles, as, as far as you can see, motorcycles everywhere. There's some, some really rough thing people in this place. But when they opened up, they opened first with the Pledge of Allegiance and then they opened in prayer and there was not one sound in that whole place as that prayer went forward. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most people would say God's not going to show up in a place like that. Well, I don't know if God was in their hearts, but God shut their mouths. And the prayer went forward. And it was a great prayer. This, this gentleman got up there and prayed. And that prayer went out. And there's men in there that maybe never heard a prayer before. I don't know. But they did yesterday. And he, and he ended his prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You may think that God is not in these places and Satan may tell you, stay away from that person or that person or sharing the gospel with this group of people or that group of people. But if God says go, then he's already prepared the way. Folks, we, we are to go and we are to share just like Ian said. The difference there is God encouraged uh, Ezekiel to share and be courageous about it, but he also told him to be a man of integrity. He said, don't allow yourself to get caught up in their rebellious ways. We are to go, but we're to be a people of integrity. We cannot speak with authority, guys, if we are in the midst of the sin that they are a part of. But we sure can step into where they're at and be that shining light for Christ. Amen? If God has called you to go forth and proclaim the gospel somewhere, that's what you are to do. God has called his people to be sanctified, to be holy, to be different. We are to be witnesses out into the world, into the community. And our actions, our lives, and who we are should be a sermon in and of itself. You may not be able to get up here and, and preach like I may be able to or something. 
But guys, you each one have been empowered to do something. And if you want to be credible, then your life has to be a life that shows Christ working within it. Are we going to be perfect? No, we all fall short. But they also need us to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, Lord. So they can see it's attainable. Our life and how we choose to live our life and the things that we do is going to show others, it's going to either give us credibility or it's going to rob us of our credibility. How we choose to make those choices. If I, if I go and I'm, I tell Shane that, Shane, you really should stop your adulterous affair, but I got one hanging out on the side, is Shane going to listen to me? No, but you ought to stop anyway, brother. I'm just saying, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> His wife's looking at me rough now. It was a joke, it was a joke. But speaking of jokes, I heard a story. Two preachers, they live together, you know, they're, they're, they're preaching. This is before the time of automobiles, and they come together in this city, this little certain town, and the first preacher asks the second preacher, how's things going? And he says, I'm furious. I am very, very angry. My, somebody has stolen my bicycle, and I, I, and I know it's somebody from the church. Now, I don't know what to do about it. Well, the, the second preacher, he looks at him and says, well, you know, brother, if it was me, Next Sunday, I'd go in there and I'd preach a message on the Ten Commandments. And when I got to thou shalt not steal, I would drive that home. And let's see what happens. Well, the next week, uh, they're, they're, he, they're in town and the first preacher, he sees the second one and, and he has his bicycle. So he goes over and he says, ah, I, 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 you took my advice. It worked, huh? I see, I see you have your bicycle. Well, it didn't really work that way. I, I took your advice and I was, I was preaching the commandments just like you said, but as I was going through it, and I said, thou shalt not commit adultery, I remembered where my bicycle was. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. But people are watching. People are watching. They're watching to see how we act. I lost you, didn't I? <laughs> Focus. Focus. That's right. People are watching what we say and what we do, guys. Whether it's right or not, whether it's the proper thing or not, doesn't change the fact. People are looking to us and they're watching us. And they're going to see us be on, up on top of the mountain and they're going to see when we fail. They need to see that we are human beings. And it, yes, I'm going to thank God for the great times, but I'm also going to thank God when I'm down in the bottoms as well. And I'm going to thank God. And I, when I do something dumb, I'm going to say, Father God, forgive me and thank him for taking me back taking me back in his arms and saying, okay, here we go. And the other thing he points out to Ezekiel, he says, be courageous. Go out there and you do, I'm going to make you diamond-headed. And I want you to go out there, don't become one of those rebellious lot. I want you to be a man of integrity. And I want you to go into the midst of all this stuff. And I want you to, to the best of your ability, stand upon me, knowing that I'm going to give you the words to say. And then he tells something to Ezekiel that we all should put, take to heart. He's saying to Ezekiel here, Success isn't about numbers. It's about obedience. He's telling Ezekiel, whether they listen to you or not does not matter. You do what I've called you to do. He was telling Ezekiel, just because it may look like there's no success, just because you may fail and you're thinking you're in this race and you're running and you might lose, that's okay. As long as you did what I told you to do, then you win. As long as you're doing to the best of your ability and performing what I've called you to do, saying the things I've told you to do, then that's all you can do. I remember there's been many a time, especially early in my ministry, I'd preach a message and it felt like it just fell right over the pulpit. People are sleeping, there was hearing aids going off, and it was like, wow, God, 
And I'd go home and, and for days I'd beat myself up about it and say, okay, maybe I should have done it this way. Should have said this, should not have said that, or I should have done this. And these things would just, I, I'd buffet myself with all these things of why it didn't work. Why people didn't walk the aisle. Why didn't somebody say amen? Why did, and one day God just got a hold of me, if you will. And he kind of just spoke to me and said, did you do the best that you could do? Yes, Lord. Did you do what I told you to do? Yes, you, your Lord. Then the results aren't yours. The results are my problem. And to this day, that, that still resonates within me. And when I get up and preach, wherever I'm at and I'm preaching, wherever I'm teaching a Sunday school class, you know, I still don't look at myself as a preacher as much as a teacher. I like Sunday school. I like being able to expositionally break apart the word and get down into that. God just allows me to do this because he wants me to look funny. I don't know. But I look at these things and I remember, as long as I do to the best of my ability what God has called me to do, then the fallout is in his hands. He's the choreographer, not me. That's why I don't put numbers on the wall. That's why we don't talk about how many baptisms or those baptisms. Praise God for those. And I love to see it when someone comes to know Christ. But I would never want to become a numbers-driven individual or a numbers-driven church. It's about am I obedient or not? Is the church obedient or not? Are we doing what God has called us to do? Lord, I am, you've asked me to go forth into this rebellious nation, into this rebellious people and preach the gospel. That's what I'm going to do. He didn't say in Ezekiel, you're going to win this many people, 5.3 per month for this long. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said, be faithful to do what I'm telling you to do. Allow me to lead you, Ezekiel. Allow me to lead you, apostles. Allow me to lead you, Sutherland Springs. God himself is saying, I have empowered you. I have encouraged you. Be of good cheer. The world is ugly, but I have conquered the world now get out there and share the gospel the question is are we faithful to god in our listening in the tugging of our heart are we listening when he's telling us to do something are we being obedient that's where we fail i think i think we most in here would agree that my god is a powerful god we would agree that he has called us all to a mission but when it comes to the obedience part, we're real good at looking up the, at the obstacles Satan puts around us and say, I can't. Being obedient sometimes isn't fun. Sometimes it isn't pleasant. Sometimes you'll be in a position where it seems like everyone is your adversary. Sometimes you'll be in a position where people are calling your names and, and you feel like you just don't know what else to do. Being obedient unto the Lord and taking the message where he tells you to take it sometimes requires sacrifice and, and, and hard work. Being obedient, never, he never says, is an easy task. But what did he say? He said, be of courage. Take courage and go forth. Sometimes we're going to be misunderstood. Sometimes we're, we're going to be ridiculed. There are going to be people that always want to say something. But when we are faithful, and that's what Ezekiel was told, and praise God, he carried it out to the end. When we are faithful, that's the important thing. A man named, you theologians may recognize the name, but there was a man named Vance Abner. And one of the things that Vance Abner would say is that God is faithful, therefore he expects his people to be faithful. God's word speaks of faithfulness, therefore his people should speak of faithfulness. Folks, I agree. If God is faithful unto us, then why shouldn't we be faithful unto him? Because at the end of the day, all points will point up 
And one day we're going to stand before him. If you didn't know it, one day every knee will bow. Every knee is going to bow one day before the Lord. And you're either going to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Or you're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear, as a child of the king, as his son, as one whom he's empowered to go forth and proclaim the gospel. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What terrible times we're in when God has to to coddle the people of faith into just being in attendance at the church. What terrible times we're in when, when, when God has to reward and coax and, and, and picnic people into doing what they should already want to do for God. But he loves us enough, he still does it. He does it enough that he, he loves us enough that he says, I just want you to recognize the power you have within you that to do what I've called you to do through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, like I said, some of us have been called to be preachers, others of us teachers. God may have called you just to live out your godly life in your home and be an example to your husband and your children or to the extended family. I don't know what God's called each one of us to do, but when we will truly put forth faithful service to whatever it is he's called us to do, when we will courageously go forth and not become a part of that rebellious crowd, but go forth and understand that it's not about numbers it's about just being in obedience our lives are going to change and when our lives change those lives around us are going to change also people are going to start seeing and recognizing there's something different in you he gives ezekiel a vision then he gives him a mission and then he gives him the words to go and carry that out folks it's the same thing with us he will give us a vision he'll give us a mission and he's going to say go and do this go and accomplish these tasks oh i i can't do it i'm not educated i'm i'm not an eloquent speaker i i don't walk well i don't do this well i don't i didn't ask for all that god says i said go ye therefore and make disciples folks if they don't receive us if you go and you say, well, Pastor Frank, it's just not working. I feel like God called me to, to go in the break room and start a Bible study. And there's only two people that show up. And the rest heckle us and all this other stuff. And, and, and it's just hard. And I just don't know what else to do. I would always say in the back of your mind at those points, remember, did they not do that to Jesus as well when he was here? And if they did it to Jesus, if they heckled him, But yet he kept on doing the Father's will, even to the point on to death, when he said, God, if there's any other way, but yet not my will, but thine be done. If Jesus so did it, just out of obedience unto the Heavenly Father, then how much should we be also doing, just out of obedience to the Heavenly Father? We don't like that word obedience. But folks, that's what God's called us to do. And the very fact that we have eternity and glory set before us if we accept him is because his son jesus christ was obedient he could have called down the angels you've heard the songs you've been in bible studies that night in that garden of gethsemane he knew what was approaching he knew what was ahead of him but he looked to the father and the father said this is what i've called you to do and he carried out what the father has intended Guys, God may have a plan, or I know God has a plan in your life. Some of us, he's rec- we've recognized it. Others of us, maybe we're still waiting on that vision. But I incur- want to encourage you that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
that you would grab a hold of that plan. Remember, it's in his timing. He may want to train you up. He may want to do mighty things through you. But you're going to have to wait for him to go. In fact, the decision I've had to make, and I'll be sharing with that with you later, maybe next week or so. One of the men I was talking to, he said, you know, you talked about this 12 years ago. I said, no, I don't remember that. He said, you did, and you said you were surrendering to it, and then you went and got into education. You went and you did this, and you went and you did that, and now God's telling you to take the next step because it was in God's timing. Folks, this morning, whatever it is in your life, Ezekiel 2 is speaking to you as well. You may not be called to stand behind this pulpit, but maybe he's telling you to make that kitchen stove your pulpit. Maybe he's telling you to make that toolbox at work your pulpit. Maybe he's telling you to make that, that, that marker board at school your pulpit. And just live out the life obediently to him the way he tells you to live it out. Diamond-headedly. When, Pete, when you guys call me hard-headed from now on, I can say I get it right. God gave it to me. If I'm being hard-headed for him. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're not hearing the message. You're not going to hear the plan that he has for you because before he tries to give you the plan and the vision, he wants to know you're his. You need to hear his voice. He said, my people hear my voice and they obey. You want to know what the plan is in your life? Then surrender your heart to Christ. He that knew no sin became our sin to pay a price for the wages of sin is death. And there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And Jesus Christ is the only one that had the blood capable of washing away the sin of whomsoever. Folks, this morning, it doesn't matter how bad you might think you are or how bad your past may be. My God is bigger than anything your future holds. And if you will put it in his hands, he'll make you a part of something that's much more grand than you ever comprehended. Where are you this morning? If God is speaking to you, maybe you're here today and you realize, I've never accepted Christ. I really do need to, to, for the first time, I realize, yeah, I've walked an aisle, I've I've said a prayer, but I realize now I've never truly surrendered to the Lord. Today you can make that different. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I I have accepted Jesus my Lord and Savior, but I've been living in this this cell of, of, of fear. I know what God wants me. God's calling me into the mission field. He's calling me into Sunday school to teach Sunday school classes. He's calling me in to work with children or with young adults. He's calling me into the bus ministry to work on the cars, to mow the yard. I don't know. But whatever it is God's calling you to do. I remember before Miss Diane was put in the, in the nursing home, she couldn't walk anymore. And she said, Frank, I, got, I want to run something by you. I said, what's that, Miss Diane? I can't go knock on doors and I can't work in the kitchen anymore. I can't do much of anything but sit in my chair. I said, yes, ma'am, but my phone sure works. You give me whomever you need me to call every week and I'll make phone calls. And she did until she, put her, they put, until she was put in the nursing home. She made phone calls and she'd pray with people. And she could pray like some, we would, might not pray. It was in her, simple, in, in her way of praying. But she let people know that, hey, we're thinking about you. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, let's quit making excuses as to why not to do it and let him get back into making it happen. Amen?
I want to lead us in a word of prayer. And this is why I pray that you'll, you'll hear this morning. Just as God empowered Ezekiel, he empowers you through the Holy Spirit. And he has called each and every one of us to go ye therefore and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you to the ends of the earth. When he says these things to us, he's telling us just like he did Ezekiel, be courageous. Be, be just absolutely diamond-headed in your gospel presentation. Be courageous. But don't allow your integrity to slip down with the rebellious people. But go amongst the rebellious folks with integrity. And it's not about numbers. Don't think you're going to lead them all to the Lord. You go in there in obedience, do what I've called you to do, and leave the rest to me. That's all he's called any of us to do, guys. Where are you this morning? Maybe you need to ask God, God, show me this vision you have for my life. Where is it at? What is it you would have me to do? I want to lead us all in a word of prayer. Let's all stand. As I pray this morning, I pray that you'll open your heart and your ears to whatever it is that God's speaking to you. Will you heed and listen? Or listen and heed, I should say. What it is that God says. This is between you and him this morning. Father God, I do come before you and I praise your name and thank you that we can gather together in this place such as this and know that you have a mission for every one of us. Some of us, we have yet to find that mission. Some of us, we see the mission changing around us periodically. But I thank you, God, you never change and you know exactly what's laid out before us. So God, as we come to you now in this time of an altar call, if people need to come to this altar, may you send them, Lord God. If they need to pray with me, I, may I pray with them. But if they just need to pray right where they're at, God, open, let them see the visions like you showed Ezekiel. Let them see a picture if they can't understand the words. If they can't hear your voice, show it to them in a fashion they'll hear it. But I pray, Lord God, that you'll make yourself known to every heart in this room so that when we leave today, Father, we can't stand before you one day and say we just didn't know. And God, if there is that one person here, two people, whomever, that still is yet to bow a knee unto you, Father, may you make that known to them. May they realize before it's too late that you are God and that you care and that you love them. Some of us have had a hard, hard life. Some of us have done some pretty ugly things to other people. We went and we wallowed in our pig slop, if you will. But you still will shower us off, clean us up, stand us up, move us out. And take the riches you've given us and the things, the health, whatever it may be. And you'll use it to glorify your name through us. Father, I pray your will to be done with your people. And may your praise be lifted on high in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's telling you to sing, sing. If he's telling you to pray, pray. Maybe he's telling you to go grab a neighbor and just, just hug them and love them and pray with them. Whatever God's telling you to do right now, let's do that together. Chris? Join us in singing the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I can get you to grab your seats for one more minute. I know we're running late. If you need to leave, uh, please make sure you do that. However, Luby's is open till whenever, wherever they are. But we have one more important thing that I want to ask you to be a part of. Uh, they came to me a few weeks ago, and, or, or a couple months ago, I guess, and they wanted to make the, you guys a part of this. So David, Don is coming up, and after 17 years, she still has him. <laughs> they are coming this morning, and they're wanting you guys to be a part of their recommitting one to another. I have to say with Pam, I was afraid of what might come out of the bag. But anyway, <laughs> you notice I was kind of walking over here. <laughs> well, on our way here, Uh-oh. I told him, I said, you know, now's your chance. Because now you know what you're getting. <laughs> it, it was too late, though. Anyway, when he said, I do, he did, and it was done. You know? So you had all these years with one another, and I, as she just pointed out, in the beginning, you didn't know what it was going to be, but nope. here you are, 17 Amen. years later, Amen. still loving each other and wanting to step down in front of everybody. You know, we were surprised two weeks into our marriage with the health issue that remains to this day. But look at all the trials and tribulations. I've promised this renewal for several years now. I've managed to tarnish our vows one way or another through that time. And seeing uh, Teresa and Bobby do it, renew their vows last night, and being part of this church family just made me realize that I need to carry out that promise. <laughs> Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, you exchanged those vows a long time <laughs> But yet you've carried them out with all the trials and all the tribulations and all the medical things. God is our center. God is not only the center, God has worked miraculous things here, and you've got to see that working. You both have got to see that working. And God has blessed you all with however many more Hours, days, years, who knows, maybe even a century, if y'all wanted to be around that long. But when you first joined hands those years ago, you didn't know what laid ahead. You, like you said, you didn't know the medical things and such, but here you are today. Amen. And as you said, God is in the center, and that's why. Amen. Amen. So, as we stand here now, life has surely, like you said, brought you through a lot of ups and downs and things. But David, if you're ready to recommit, and recommit not meaning that you're not going to stand to the vows you've already made. God, words are important to God. And when you put God in the center of that and ask his blessing upon those vows, you guys have kept those. So you are already married, but this morning you're wanting to recommit those vows. So David, if you're proud to marry her again, if you would, I want you to say these words to Don. I am proud to marry you. I am proud to marry you. Again, after all these years. Again, after all these years. I wipe away your tears. I wipe away your tears. With my laughter. With my laughter. 
with my caring and compassion, with my caring and compassion, I will clean away the old canvas, I will clean away the old canvas of our lives, of our lives and let God fill them with new colors. And let God fill them with new colors. I give myself to you. I give myself to you. And I promise to love you always. And I promise to love you always. Amen. I'm almost going to cry. <laughs> Don, if you're willing to do the same to him, I want you to say this as well. I am proud to marry you again. I am proud to marry you again. I promise to wipe away your tears. I promise to wipe away your tears. With my laughter. With my laughter. And with my caring and compassion. And with my caring and compassion. I will clean the old canvas. I will clean the old of our lives. Of our lives. And let God fill them with new colors. And let God fill them with new colors. I give myself to you. I give myself all of myself to you. Amen. And I promise. And I promise. To love you always. To love you always. Amen. 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 And I'm feeling it all right here myself. <laughs> And I now dedicate, or in the power given to me by God, it's God who dedicates this marriage back unto himself. And as you rededicate to one another, you're rededicating your union to him as well. So I pronounce you still husband and wife. You may kiss your bride. Amen, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. And what a testimony. What a testimony. Amen. Guys, I'm glad you stayed to be a part of that this morning. And remember, whatever it is God has called you to do, he will empower you to do it. And maybe it's to make that relationship work, that marriage work, whatever it is. Let's stop. Let's give it back to God. Let's be honest with ourselves and obedient unto him. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together this morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Mr. Colbath, will you close us in prayer this morning? Joyful noise, 
Sing it to the Lord. Tell him of your love. Dance before him. Make joyful noise. Sing it to the Lord. Tell him of your love. Hallelujah. In him we live and move and have our being. In him we live. Live. 